0: You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for His purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin
1: Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin,
0: Hey, that's us.
1: Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real-life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world.
0: If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place.
1: Here are your hosts teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends.
0: Welcome to episode three of the
1: Million Praying Moms podcast. Erin, I'm really excited about today's episode because I think it's going to help a lot of Christian moms.
0: Yeah, I agree. Today, we're going to tackle a subject that most Christian moms have experienced before on some level, the God Dare. Ooh, doesn't that sound interesting? If you haven't experienced it yet, you will just wait. <laughs> <laughs> is that an omen? Are you saying like, um, or? <laughs> yeah, I didn't make, I didn't mean to make that sound so scary, but, um, you know,
1: just, it's coming just Hold
0: on. Just it's hold coming. on. It's coming. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Today's episode is sponsored by the 2019 summer edition
0: of pray the word journal. That's right. The summer edition of Pray the Word Journal, leading us in prayer through the book of Psalms, is available for pre-order now. Designed to take you through ninety days of prayer, each Pray the Word
1: Journal gives you a quarter of a year of prayerfully, carefully curated prayers so that you see the hand of God clearly in the various seasons of your family's life. You can impact your family's life for generations to come in just about ten minutes a day. And you can pre
0: order your copy now at www.praythewordjournal.com. Inside the summer edition, we'll pray for our children to have their emotions shaped with the truth of God's Word. Have their minds shaped to see the world through the lens of truth. See, understand God in all his majesty, lighten the law of the Lord, find true peace, understand where to find hope, have a heart of thanksgiving, to be humble, and I could go on and on. From busy working moms to stay-at-home moms with little time to themselves, brand new moms to moms whose children are already out of their homes. Pray the Word Journal has helped all moms make prayer a practical priority. Go ahead and pre-order yours today at PrayTheWordJournal.com.
1: Okay, so let's take just a second, Erin, and explain what the God Dare actually is. Okay, I think that's That's important important because it sounds a little bit daunting, but it's actually a pretty normal part of the Christian life. So our friend and guest today, Kate Battistelli, is releasing a brand new book by that title any day now that we highly recommend. Um, You'll be able to find ordering details in our show notes for this episode. But the gist of it is this, a God dare happens anytime we choose to do what God asks us to do. For example, I was trying to remember the first time that I took a God Dare, and I think it was when I chose to go to Liberty University for grad school. I had chosen, that's the summer before I went to Liberty, I had chosen to take classes all summer long at Virginia Tech to finish my undergraduate degree early. And I had been accepted to one of our kind of local seminaries, it's in North Carolina, to pursue their counseling in their counseling department that fall. My parents and I had driven down to North Carolina one Saturday to visit the seminary that I had been accepted to. And honestly, I don't know how else to explain it, except that it just didn't feel right to me. I I knew after we spent the entire day there walking around campus, meeting the administrators, eating lunch on campus. I mean, we did the whole thing. I just knew as we were leaving there that it wasn't the right place for me. But I didn't necessarily tell my parents because I didn't want them to freak out. So (laughs) I just kind of kept it to myself and went on with finishing up my education. So I knew that that's not where I was supposed to go, but I had no idea where I was supposed to go. So soon after we visited that seminary, my parents packed up their RV and caravan to Alaska for the entire rest of the summer. Like, they were gone for three solid months. They left me to house it and to finish up my degree at Tech. And while they were gone, a good friend of mine told me about Liberty University's counseling program. I looked it up online, which at that time gave me a fairly limited amount of information because really like the whole internet explosion was just happening at that point. I just dated myself tremendously. <laughs> um <laughs> But I looked it up, and I liked what I saw, and so my boyfriend and I, who is now my husband, hopped in his truck, drove two point five hours to Lynchburg, Virginia, and toured the campus and Aaron honestly, before I even got out of his truck and put my feet on the campus there in Lynchburg, I knew that liberty was where I was going to school. I just knew, so i'd gone from this like you know experience there there wasn't anything wrong with the seminary; I just knew. That that's not where I was supposed to go to just a few months later, stepping foot on this campus and just having this, like, I knew it in my knower kind of experience that this is where <laughs> I was supposed to go. So, and I did end up going there. I submitted my application to their master's program two weeks before classes started. So two weeks before they started, I, I did that. I got accepted in two weeks. And I moved to Lynchburg. I know I moved to Lynchburg and I went to school at Liberty. And if I had not done that, like the, the entire trajectory of my life would have changed it. It was like, God took me in a completely different direction than I had planned. Almost like he was looking me in the eyes and saying, I dare you to trust me and saying yes to him in that
0: one thing shaped the path of the entire course of my life. Saying yes to God is what we're talking about today, but we want to get really specific. Like Brooke shared her story, which would have driven me crazy to switch choices for grad school two weeks before we actually went to school. It was crazy. Yeah, that's just crazy. But um, we want to get specific with our guest. And you may know that our guest, Kate Battistelli, is the mother of Grammy Award winning artist Francesca Battistelli. In her book, The God Dare, Kate tells the story of how she and her husband, Mike, were incredibly intentional with their daughter's upbringing. They recognized her talent and chose to put her on the path that led to where she is today. Now, we're not going to talk about how to raise Grammy award-winning children today. Sorry. Although, if you're listening and you're interested in that, maybe we should bring Kate for podcasts on that. (laughs) We should. But actually, we want to get much more normal and everyday motherhood advice and talk about what happens when God dares us as parents to make decisions for our children that look different from everyone around us.
1: In addition to being Francesca's mom, Kate Battistelli is an author, speaker, and former actress and singer in the New York Broadway musical world. That is such an incredibly interesting story that we're going to touch on some today. Kate, welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast. We are so glad to have you.
2: I'm so glad to be here, Brooke and Aaron. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, we can't wait to dive in. And I think first things first, we have to hear the story of your time spent performing in The King and I. And the part that I love about it, I mean, I love that you were, you know, that you did that and that you were an actress and singer, but I love in particular how that part of your career also doubles as your love story. So tell
2: us a little bit about all of that. Well, it was a very exciting time in my life. Now, I I want your listeners to know this is before I knew the Lord. I came to the Lord later in life. I was... Twenty nine, almost thirty. When my husband and I both, when we met the Lord, and um, but before that time, I had been gung ho about becoming a Broadway star and winning a Tony, and you know, doing all those things. So I was in New York as a struggling actress, and I ended up getting cast as the understudy for the leading lady in the national tour of King and I, which goes all around the country. We were going to tour for years, and it was starring Yul Brynner. If you've ever seen the movie of the King and I, the original movie, he was the big bald superstar, which was terrifying just to even be around him. But, um, so I went out as the understudy and when you're, when you're cast as an understudy, you know, pretty much you're not going to get a chance to go on unless something catastrophic happens. You're basically just an insurance policy. Well, about two or three months into the run of the show, I think we were in Buffalo. I can't remember exactly, but, uh, I got into this theater at seven fifteen at night. Now, this is 1981 before cell phones, before computers or any of that. I get into the theater And the stage manager literally grabs me and says, she's sick, you're on. And I had 45 minutes to get ready to go sing, you know, whistle a happy tune. (laughs) Gigantic superstar who terrified me, but he was very gracious, very kind. I went out and did the show. We found out the leading lady had pneumonia. So she was out for two weeks. So I got to do the show for two weeks, which was great. She came back. I went back to the chorus, which is how it works. Well, she and Yul Brenner really did not get along very well. They just It seems like they just didn't like each other. So what they ended up doing within the next few weeks was buying out her two-year contract and giving me the part. I was nobody. I was a 26-year-old no one in New York. He could have had any actress in New York or, or L.A. that he wanted, and he picked me. I think because I was young, I just brought a certain youthful feeling to the show because he was very close to 70 at that point. He'd been doing this show on and off for years. So, I mean, for me, it was the chance of a lifetime. I got to do the show for almost three years, about a thousand performances all around the country. And I actually did meet my husband and we really and truly fell in love ac- across the footlights. He, was, he joined the tour as the associate conductor and I saw him down. You could see down into the orchestra pit. And I thought, well, who's that cute guy down there? We got to find out what, what's the scoop on him. Is he married? What's the story? And we just met and instantly clicked and connected. And we've been together ever since.
0: That is the best story. And as um, as a music major and music teacher, my dream in my head is to be in like a flash mob or a musical number. Like those are my favorite things. So you're telling that story and I'm thinking, Oh, what a dream. But I know it was a lot of hard work and a lot of, a lot of hours as unrecognized. And to get that chance sounds amazing. What an amazing opportunity. So you said that you became a Christian later in life. So right after you got married, right? You and Mike became Christians. Right. And when that happened, God gave you what you describe in the book as your first God dare. Tell us more about that.
2: Well, and I also called a 90 degree turn, kind of what Brooke was talking about before, with going, you know, going to, thinking you're going to one college and God says, nope, you're not going there, you're going here. And we've just seen that over and over in our lives, but God, once we... we we got married in 1983, had our daughter, got saved in '84, and had our daughter in 1985. So about a year or two later, we just both started sensing as we were going to church, learning who the Lord was, reading the Bible, hearing the Word. We just started getting the sense that this is just not the career He wants us in. And now my husband has his doctorate in music, so he'd been doing this. He was 32 when he got saved. So we'd been gung ho for this life for many years, and now God's saying. You need to lay that down and walk away and go into a whole different life. And we were, I think we were just young enough in the Lord to say, "Well, okay, I guess we just need to be obedient and do this. I think sometimes you get older and you think, well, that can't be God. But we both sensed it so strongly that we we were able to do it and just kind of lay down everything. Our theater friends thought we were crazy. Our agents were not happy. All, you know, we disappointed some people by doing it, but when God is very clear with you, to not obey is a very dangerous place to be. So we walked away from everything we had worked for and just walked into a whole nother life. It's
1: amazing. I love to hear that story. It's so inspirational that really following God is worth whatever you have to leave behind. And that's, that's kind of where we want to segue today and move into... Um, talking about this from the perspective of motherhood. In the book, you talk about how intentional you and Mike were about raising Francesca. It sounds a lot like maybe she was a God dare for you guys, or at least the choices that you both made to help her get where she is today. So Erin and I know from our own experience of trying to raise children for the Lord, and I'm just 100% positive that our listeners will get this too, that they'll understand this too, that taking the God dare in our parenting can sometimes feel very isolating. For example, we made decisions, in in my family, we made decisions at the beginning of our boys' educational careers to homeschool. We felt like that was how the Lord was leading us. And I know there's there's a segment, this is not a homeschooling podcast, but there's a segment of our listeners who will understand that, that, that it took quite a bit to get us to the point where we would even consider homeschooling because my husband and I were not homeschooled. There was no homeschooling when we were, when we were raised and where we were raised, it was just not done. And so it was a big deal for us to do that. But when we did that, our choice to follow God's leading in this made other people in our lives who were not choosing to homeschool feel like what we thought they, that we thought what they were doing was somehow not following God's leading. Like, for example, whenever you do something that's just different than everybody else, I feel like there's, there's somehow that you just can't help but make them feel like what they're doing is wrong. Or that if you're trying to follow the Lord, they must not be because their life looks different. And, you know, even when we later on decided to put our boys in school— we felt kind of the opposite side of that right it just it works both ways not that people judged us but but again when god leads us as parents to do something that looks or feels different from those around us especially maybe especially when it looks different from what other christian parents are doing it's almost like we can't help but feel alone and Different, and I wonder if you can speak into that as it relates to the choices that you guys made for for Francesca. How did you deal with feelings of isolation as you chose an intentional path for her?
2: Well, we did feel isolated, especially for my family, because they're they're not Christian. Oh, one of my sisters is, but they didn't know the Lord. It made no sense to them homeschooling. They didn't even know what that was. And this, we started back in the eighties, the late eighties, early nineties, when it was not yet a big thing. And I don't have a college education. So for me to even consider homeschooling made no sense, but God, that's what he was calling us to do. And we had to just step out. I had to find other women that were doing it and connect with them. And I mean, I'm, I guess I'm kind of the personality type that, others' opinions aren't that big a deal to me. I'm not, I, I, that that doesn't really control me too much. I mean, it can for certain things, but if I know that I've heard the Lord and that I'm following him, we'd already made that crazy decision to leave theater and everyone thought we were nuts. So I just decided, you know what, I, we have to do what we feel is right and whatever the consequences, what, if somebody doesn't like what we're doing, they, they don't have to like it. But, and I think you need to be bold in that. If God is calling you to a certain direction that's maybe different from what your family or your friends are doing, you have to listen to the Lord. When, when we get down to it, that's really what's most important. Because just like you were saying, Brooke, had you not taken that 90 degree turn, the whole trajectory of your life would be different. But because you listened and obeyed, even though it made no sense, it's transformed your life. And I've seen that in my own life and in so many other lives and in the Bible. And that's what a lot of what the God dares about, where I talk about a lot of the different biblical characters. But I think we just need to really just to obey, to listen to the Lord's voice and do what he's telling us, because that's the only opinion that matters.
1: Yeah. So how do you know? Like you said that you just, you and Mike just knew that he wanted you to leave the theater. I mentioned when I was telling my story that I just knew in my knower that I was supposed to go to this other university. Like, can it get a little bit more scientific than that other than just having this feeling that you know what you're supposed to do? Like, I know there's moms out there and I know I've been in seasons of my life where I have felt really sure and then there's been other seasons of my life where I have felt very unsure about what God's calling us to do. How do we know how do we get to the point where we really know what God's calling us to do so that we can then step out in faith and not worry about what other people think of us?
2: Well, I think for Mike and I, it was, it really manifested as just an uneasiness, just that feeling in your spirit. And we were growing in our knowledge of the Lord. And if you know the Lord and you're reading the word and you're trying to do things that line up with that. If it's not lining up with it, God will show you. He's going to give you either good counsel from someone else. I think it's always good to get confirmation. If you're just really weighing something, you're just not sure, talk to your pastor or to other mature Christians, or just really pray and ask the Lord to make it crystal clear because he speaks in many different ways. For some people, it's a dream or a vision or just a friend has, says that one thing that goes, that's it. That's the Lord's answer to me. I mean, he can appear to you. He could send an angel. That has not happened to me yet. But I mean, there, he does speak in so many different ways. So it's learning to know his voice. And, and as his sheep, we are learning to hear him. And it, and it takes time. It takes years. You will probably make some mistakes at that time. But God knows if you're really earnestly trying to follow him and do what he's calling you to do, if you make the wrong choice, he's going to, he's going to fix it, you know, make it turn around and work out okay, or make sure that he closes that door. So you don't go down that path.
0: That's one of my favorite things in the Bible is looking at all these people that God challenged to do something totally out of the ordinary. And the way he spoke to them was the way that got their attention. And it was very individual. It was very specific. And we just have to be listening for that. We have to be watching for that. We have to be in the word looking for those clues and those signs. And he will speak to you in the way that will get your attention. And know it when it happens. And Absolutely. I love that.
2: I mean, look at look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. An angel appeared to her. Gabriel. Now, that doesn't happen to many of us, but it happened for her. But then you contrast that with Ruth. Who didn't ever hear God speak anything to her, but just saw something so rich and real in the life of Naomi that that caused her to follow. That's what she was hearing. So God speaks, just like you said, in just so many different ways. And it's—I mean, I love it. I love the story of Gideon where the angel appears to him, you know, and you just—you just know he's sitting down there in that wine pick on. Are you, are you talking to me? This <laughs> is just no sense. And he's calling him, oh, mighty man of God. And he's not a mighty man of God at that point. So I love stories like that and just the different ways that God will speak.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the introduction of the God Dare, then, you say, God is looking for world changers, the ones willing to fling it all out on him in one gigantic leap of faith. I love that. I have two questions about that quote. The first one is this. How did this play out in the way you parented Francesca?
2: Hmm, well, I think he he just wanted us to believe big for her and not we were never thinking she's going to be a Grammy award winning anything. We just I wanted her my big thing for her was find out whatever it is the Lord has for you. What whatever it is that he's already written in your book, what has been designed before the foundation of the world for your life. So let's figure that out with God and and guide you on that path. So But as God started to show me things about her, I mean, we could tell when she was pretty young that she was likely destined for the arts in some way. So we started out in ballet at four years old. I thought, well, I I knew the theater world. And I thought, I don't think I want to go take her there because that can just be kind of a quirky world. But ballet looks safe and pretty. And I thought, let's just do that. And she danced for 12 years. There were there was quite a while there where I thought she will be a ballerina. This is going to be her thing. But she has some issues with her back that stop that from happening. But all along, she loved music. I was always singing on worship team. She was always coming early in the morning on Sundays you know, while we had practice. and uh, So she was exposed to a lot of that. She and I actually did a lot of local theater in Orlando where we lived for a number of years. So she had a lot of great experience in the performing arts world. And we just started seeing those gifts developing. And I thought, okay, Lord, what's going on? But he would start to just drop little things in my spirit to, to get me to believe a little bigger. Like one example I'll give you when she was 16, um, because we're theater people, we love to watch all the award shows. So we were watching the Grammys as we watch every year. And I, I just turned to her during in the middle of the show and just said, "Franny, I don't know what to tell you, but you're going to be up there one day. It was just something God dropped in my spirit and I spit it out rather than thinking, maybe I should talk to Mike about this. I just said it. And my husband was like, you know, you shouldn't probably get her hopes up and put that, put those kind of things in her mind. But I thought, you know what, I, I have to just say what God's telling me to say And, you know, 10 years later, however, I can't remember how old she was exactly when she won her first grant, or well, she got nominated four times and then she won. And it's just crazy things like that that God would show me. But I think if we press into him, really ask about our children, he will show us their path. But it's up to us. We have to dig. You know we have to get out there and dig dig up that soil and find where is the treasure buried, what direction am I supposed to put them in because I think it 's up to the parents to help your children figure that out, get them on that path i didn 't know where it would lead, but I knew I knew God had something for her i just I just knew that there was something he 'd only given us the one child I mean I'm the woman who wanted five kids. who knows why I mean, I kind of have them now with four grandchildren, so it's second hand but I do get my I do get my little um you know, chaos and crumbs and craziness. So that's a lot of fun. But he only gave us one, and I I knew if, it, if, especially to the parents of only children out there, there's a reason why you only have one. I don't know what it is in your life. I, I'm pretty sure I can understand why. For Mike and I, that was the decision God made. But and and what I talk about in the God Dare a lot is that Jesus gets to pick. You know, he gets to choose. He gets to make that decision as to how many children we have. All those things, but. As parents, we must be intentional to press into the Lord and ask him what is your plan for this child and he 'll show you
1: I love that so much, Kate, because it really it speaks to two things that are important to us here um, at million praying moms, one of them obviously is prayer. You cannot press into the Lord and ask him what your child needs if you 're not praying and speaking to the Lord. You have to have. A relationship with the Lord, you have to be going to Him and talking to Him and asking Him to show you those things, or you're not going to know those things. The second one is to be a student of your child. That's something that we've talked about, you know, over and over again through the, throughout the years. Um, is you've got to take a moment, uh, a lot of moments, really, if we're honest, to spend enough time with your child and know your child well enough that you can have the answers to those questions. So we've got to be watching. We've got to be watching the Lord. We've got to be praying and talking to the Lord, but we've also got to be talking to our children and, and knowing our children so that we can see those two things. And I think, you know, based on your story, that's really how that began to work together. I also love that you said uh, that you felt like the Lord would drop a couple things into your heart to help you believe a little bigger. And I just, I love that. I want to point that out because that's, You know, we don't have to have the full picture. You didn't know, like you said, you didn't know when she was four years old and starting ballet that she was going to be a Grammy award winning singer. You just had enough, you know, just a little bit bigger to help you know where to go next or what to get her involved in. And I think all of us, whether we have, you know, that kind of, whether we have a Francesca in our home or not, we can ask the Lord to just give up, help us to have the faith to believe a little bit bigger. And I think that leads to our, the second part of Aaron's question for you.
0: Right. So we were talking <laughs> about world changers, and it's pretty obvious for people to say, well, yeah, you have an award-winning musician. Obviously, that's a world changer. But what about the small things? How can they be a world changer in those small things, and how are those important to the kingdom?
2: I think every single one of us on this planet are world changers if we allow Amen. God to use us to change the world it 's really more than anything, more than being famous, more than having millions of dollars or any of that. I think it 's learning to live like Jesus because most of us are going to live our lives in the small sphere. Most of us are going to be obscure we 're not going our names aren 't going to be on the TV at night, which is probably a good thing, but um, you know it 's learning to forgive those who have treated you poorly it 's learning to live with integrity, to bless those that curse you, to actually do the things that Jesus tells us to do. I think every word that comes out of Jesus's mouth is a dare, Mm -hmm. you know, just to forgive. That's a huge thing to not take an offense when you have every right to, because what they did was offensive to you. We've all had that kind of thing happen, to love our enemies, to you know, just to pray for those who've persecuted us. All those things are weak. Any any one of us can do, but those things do change the world. Giving that good advice to the young mom across the street that doesn't know what she's doing and needs that little bit of extra help. All those little things we, you know, I, I talk about in the book how Jesus lived the biggest small life in history. You know, all the little things he did, like eating with the Pharisees and walking along the road and teaching. And I mean, he did all the big miracles and those things, but he did lots of the little things too, that we think, well, that's not very important, but it was, and it is in our lives. It's the, it's what we do. It's the little moments, the little things that we do every single day that make a difference in the world around us. And that can change the world around us either for good or for evil, if we're not following the Lord. So I think to me, it's, it's, it's that simple. It doesn't have to necessarily be the big world changing things. You drop a, you know, you, you drop a little pebble in the ocean and it's eventually going to be a tidal wave. So whether it's just one person that you make a difference in their life, they could be the one that changes the world, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has the bigger impact or the, you know, talks to millions of people. So you just don't know. I think you just have to be faithful to the, what the Lord's telling you.
1: Yeah, I like that. We we don't want to get so far ahead. We really just want to teach our kids and even in ourselves to be faithful right right where
0: we are right now. Yeah. It's important. It's important in this day and age of social media and influencers and all those buzzwords to remember to teach our kids you don't have to have a platform to be a world changer. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That is so true.
1: We had a discussion with our boys just the other day, and uh, both of them surprised me by telling me they both felt like they couldn't make the impact on the world that they felt like they wanted to make unless they had a big platform. And in their eyes, right now at you know twelve and fourteen, that means playing major league baseball or you know something like that. That's what they they think of. And and they they had been unbeknownst to me and and my husband, been thinking about all the the good they could do if they had that kind of platform or made that kind of money or whatever. And that's not necessarily a bad dream, but we were talking about how, um, it's not, God doesn't call everyone to have that kind of platform. And and if you don't, if you don't make it to the show, right. If you don't, you know, make it to what your original dream was, you can still change the world. And I, I can't help Kate, but think of this really amazing song, that that starts out. I don't need my name in lights. <laughs> I'm yeah. famous in my father's eyes. That's right. Um, that that song is just so beautiful um, because it reminds us that really we can be a world changer without having to have our name in lights. And I I love that. I wanted to talk just for a second. There's another quote in the book that you uh, that that you offered, and it, it really struck me. It says, "It's our choice." whether or not we will choose to be chosen. What a great play on words. Tell us what you mean by that.
2: Well, and I'm not talking about salvation there. I'm talking about, will you choose to be chosen to change the world? When God dropped that crazy idea, like for me, it was writing my first book. It it made no sense. I wasn't a writer, not a college graduate, had no platform, no publisher, nothing about any of that made any sense. But God just kept pressing on me to write this book, write this book. I finally obeyed and did what he said and ended up getting it published. And, you know, all, all those things that ended up happening because of my obedience. But so I think when God gives you that opportunity, drops that idea there, and it's typically going to be scary, pretty impossible ridiculous sounding sometimes where you're just like, Lord, no, you don't, you you couldn't possibly mean me. You must mean her down the street. But God, if he's calling you to it, he'll equip you to do it. That's one of my little God dare secrets that it, that's his job. My job is just to say yes to what's possible and let him do the impossible. So choosing to be chosen is, I'll say yes to what you want me to do, Lord, to change the world in whatever sphere that I'm in.
0: It's encouraging to me to hear your story, Kate, even though I have no idea where God will take it. And you are at a place where you know, you know, what, what God did with Franny's life somewhat, you know, it's not done yet, but you, you are on a different perspective of it. It's encouraging for me to hear this and say, it's okay if everybody thinks I'm crazy and what I'm choosing to do with our kids, whether it's in my neighborhood or within our school or whether our families think it's crazy, whatever God speaks to us individually and calls us individually to be the parents of the children we were given. And we don't answer to anyone except him.
2: Amen. So
0: I just love your story. I love hearing it. I've heard it many times, but hearing it again from you um, just encourages me to keep pushing into whatever God has called me to do with these kids that are mine. And as we wrap up today, Kate, we want to hear a verse or a passage from the Bible that you pray right now for Francesca or one that was really important when you were raising her or even for your grandchildren or all of the above if you want.
2: Well, there's one that I pray for everybody that I love all the time. And it's, it's that really simple one that they will continue to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I pray that over all of them all the time just because that's what I want. I want to continue to grow in wisdom. I've got to continue to know the Lord and know him more and more and more deeply and in favor. That's not a bad thing. And in, to grow in stature with God, it's, it's, I, I care more about what God thinks about me. I mean, it'd be nice to be popular and have a giant platform, but you know what? I'm perfectly content. If God approves of what I'm doing, I'm good. And I think that's really all we need. So that's what I have always prayed for pretty much everybody in my family.
1: I love that. That's such a great prayer. All right, Kate, thank you so, so much for being with us today. I would love it if you would take just a minute to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and how they can get your new book, The God Dare, because they're going to want to get it after today's conversation.
2: Sure. Um, You can follow me on my blog. It's just KateBattistelli.com. Super simple. All those social media, I'm at katebatistelli, so it's easy to find me there. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the places, and we're actually doing a little special thing for people that maybe want to get a little preview of the book before they buy it. You can just text the word Goddare, all one word with no spaces, so it would be G-O-D-D-A-R-E to 44144. You'll get the forward by Francesca, my introduction, and the first three chapters. So it gives you a really good sample and preview of the book before you decide to buy, and you, may, you might not want to, but you might. I hope you do. That's awesome. And we'll include that in our show notes,
1: so you don't have to write that down if you're in the car right now. We'll have that up for you so that you can grab it at a later date. That's it for today, friends. We were so blessed to have Kate Battistelli with us. Go find her on all social media. Go grab the book, The God Dare, and tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast.